This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. Well, here we are, uh, just uh, hours away from the Thanksgiving holiday in the midst of a third wave of COVID cases, and we have a host of new restrictions and effects across the state just imposed by Governor Jay Inslee. And Dave, you had a chance to speak with the governor. Yes, he painted a pretty dire picture at his news conference and said he didn't want to do it, but closing down the restaurants and imposing these additional restrictions, basically going back to some of the stuff we were doing in April, uh, was all he could do based on the almost vertical slope of the curve in terms of the uh, number of cases and infections. You painted a pretty dire picture at your news conference, and you lamented that a lot of people still don't take uh, COVID seriously. And the question was asked, why no Republicans at today's announcement, which might be what it takes to convince some people. So did you invite any Republican representatives to be there today? I didn't today, but I would invite, and this is a standing invitation to any Republican officeholder to come to all of my press conferences and and support these policies, but they won't do it, Dave. That's the problem. I talked to a Republican leader the other day who said that this was a bunch of CRAP when it comes to being safe on Thanksgiving. We've had uh, the Republican nominee for governor said that masks were a bunch of CRAP. The problem is Republican legislators, unfortunately, when Donald Trump decided to make this a partisan effort, decided not to support virtually, you know, any of these measures that have been successful in in keeping our pandemic at the lowest compared to 45 other states. I know that some um, some critics have made a distinction between the number of cases and actual hospitalizations that 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 uh, using the number of cases makes things sound worse than they are. Although I'm looking at the the University of Washington curve, and they're predicting that uh, what by January we will be out of ICU beds. Anyway, uh, well, listen, let's be clear about this. That that is uh, ridiculous because our hospitalizations are at or exceeding what they were in March when we were building pop up hospitals. And so the hospitalizations now are at an all-time high during this pandemic and will exceed it dramatically. This thing has been doubling every 10 days or so. So the hospitalization uh, numbers are are in in a very, very concerning spot. We do have hospitals already that are uh, having to start in curtailing their elective procedures but just looking ahead, this is you know if you're going to beat this pandemic, you have to you have to get ahead of the curve. If you're if you're behind it, it just kills you. So we have to look where we'll be in two to three weeks. And in two or three weeks, unless these trends continue, we will be in a situation where there is massive loss of a normal medical support for elective surgeries and the like. And at some point, you get to a position where you're in crisis care, standards of care, and that means people just don't get life-saving treatment. Has nothing worked? Uh, any of the procedures that restaurants and these other businesses have taken in the in the uh, days since we first uh, hit the peak in April, none of that was enough. Well, no, we do believe that we we uh, we tamped down what I'd call the second wave this past summer by adopting wide scale mask usage, and we were leading the curve, one of the leading states on this, and that's why we actually bent the curve down a second time in the second wave, and that was because of the diligence of Washingtonians who put on masks, and that was very, very successful. Other states did not do that, and that is a a significant reason why 
their rates are sometimes 10 times higher than ours. So we did have success this summer with a combination of good hygiene in our stores, thanks to good business owners and employees, and people putting on masks when they go shopping. And that did allow us to keep these numbers low. But as winter has come on, and as, we, as we've gone on inside, and as the rest of the, the nation has had seen these explosive rates that eventually come into our state, um, we've just been hammered. Now, I, I do want to put this in perspective. Troublesome as it is, there are 45 other states that today have higher disease rates than we do. And so we have had considerable success, and it is because of Washingtonians' responsibility. You just noticed today that uh, there was a study done that showed when it comes to being safe on Thanksgiving, we're the number one state in the United States. So, I mean, we are doing things relatively right, but we have to up our game. Yeah. You've had uh, some pushback, though, even from Democrats about the new restrictions and what they're going to do to to uh, businesses. I checked around, and, uh, and as you point out at the news conference, you don't govern what happens on tribal land, but uh, all the tribal casinos are open with restrictions. And according to the Washington Indian Gaming website, and this was posted about a week ago, quote, while coronavirus cases may be surging in Washington, there have been no major outbreaks linked to tribal casinos in the state. And they're doing, you know, they're doing gaming, they're doing restaurants, the whole thing. So if, if they can pull it off, why couldn't other businesses be trusted to do this too? Well, it's not a matter of trust. Uh, you know, the vast number of restaurateurs are, are trying to do the right thing. They've worked really hard at bringing hygiene. They're cleaning their tables. They're, they're, you know, they're spreading out to the extent humanly possible. So it's not a matter of trust. It's just that transmissions are taking place in every dining facility. We know this. This is a scientific fact. We, we cannot, and science does not allow to trace all of these outbreaks because we don't know who are in the restaurants. We only do contact tracing for the employees because that's the only people we really know who are there at that moment. So the, the, where we have been able to trace outbreaks, the number one place that outbreaks have taken place in non-healthcare facilities are restaurants. Now, that's not a surprise because this is the place that the virus does its dirty work, which is any time we're close to each other, unmasked, breathing on each other for an hour, an hour and a half, and that's a restaurant. It's also our own dining room tables, and the same thing happens when we have friends over for dinner in our own homes. So this is nothing to knock restaurants. It's just the nature of the environment. And so there's all kinds of international studies that have shown that there are transmissions in restaurants. Uh, one famous one by... Google showed that, you know, people who had COVID are twice as likely to have gone to restaurants most recently. As I've indicated, of the non-healthcare facilities, the number one place that we right. have shown outbreaks are restaurants. So we just know it's a significant transmission risk. That is a scientific certainty. And that's no matter where the restaurants are or no matter where you are dining. So I understand it's a very difficult decision. Uh, and that's why uh, I put forward $135 million to help these businesses. But by the way, we've got to help more than the businesses. We've got to help the employees of the restaurants. And that's why we have to find a way to make up for the failure of the federal government to extend unemployment compensation and the, and the pandemic unemployment uh, benefit that run out at the end of this year. That's why we need Congress to act. And if they do not, We've got to figure out a way in my book to try to replace some or all of that for for these beneficiaries. 
Uh, I'll get to, to that part in a moment, but back to the restaurants for a moment. The statistics are certainly compelling, but suppose there's an individual restaurateur who would, uh, you know, look, come inspect me. Look at what I'm doing. Uh, just like just the way we give uh, restaurants a, a health and safety rating, couldn't couldn't you give them a COVID safe rating for those that want to do whatever the casinos are doing to make their operations safe? Well, listen, you, you got to get off this casino. I do not have the ability, and the state of Washington does not have the ability, and the Washington State Legislature does not have the ability legally under the U.S. Constitution to close dining rooms and tribal reservations. That is mm-hmm. not in the U.S. So you would do that if you had the power, then, is what you're saying? I may do it if I had the power, but I don't have the power. So let's just that's not an option. I can't do that. Now, tribes can make the decision on their own, yeah, but that's not something I control. So that's not a legitimate reason to expose people to this pandemic in non-tribal restaurants. Right, but the I mean, problem- are the tribes hiding something then? Because they're saying that they state on their website that there have there have been no cases traced to the casinos. As I've said, we don't and cannot trace the fact that we have not traced these outbreaks to restaurants in huge numbers. Mm-hmm does not mean that transmission is not taking place there. We don't do that and cannot do that in that setting. So you've heard the term, the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. That's the situation here when you talk to the epidemiologists. It is a scientific fact, uncontrovertible, that when you sit at a table talking to someone without a mask, it is a high transmission risk. Every international medical authority that has evaluated it has made that conclusion. I believe it, and it's common sense. This is where you get the virus, which is when you breathe on each other. So don't tell me there's not transmission taking place at dining room tables. So I respectfully disagree if that's what they say. So, But the point I want to make is that you cannot make these environments safe. So the restaurants, I want to tip my hat to them. They have made efforts to do a variety of things, clean the table, spread some of the tables out, employees themselves wearing masks. Those are good things. But until they invent a way somebody can eat with a mask on, you can't eliminate this risk. That's the difficulty of the environment in a restaurant. It's not their fault. It's reality that we have to take our masks off to eat. That's what creates the risk. It cannot be avoided. Unless you go outside and eat outside, and that is allowed, as is takeouts. And I encourage everyone to uh, to use takeouts as much as humanly possible to support these hard, hard-working businesses. Uh, th- that'd be a good thing to do yeah. over this weekend. So providing relief, it looks like Congress is not going to do it, uh, at least not until after the inauguration. Uh, you've pried loose some additional money. Uh, does the state have enough money? To, re- to to keep some of these restaurants, I mean, you're, you're hearing more and more businesses saying, and I get the emails, that this is it for us. We we, we came pretty close to extinction the first time, but uh, now we have to throw in the towel. Well, uh, at the moment, we're getting close to the end of the of the account we have, the CARES funding. There's about $150 million less left. Uh, so we do have some cash uh, that could be available, but we have a lot of other claims to that. We are going to need to hire some more contact tracers. We need more work on our vaccine distribution system. Hospitals need some, potentially are asking for financial assistance. And the reason is, is they, as they become full, they have to cancel their elective surgeries, which were one of their sort of profit centers or revenue centers. 
So there are many, many claims to this remaining uh, $150 million. So this is something we will continue to look at. We are talking to legislators of both parties about their ideas about potential further relief for, for ju not just restaurants, but other small businesses as well. And, and, and so those things are under consideration. Uh, we all are still hopeful for some congressional action, as you know, because that's really where the, the real flexibility exists to do big things, multi-billion dollar things. I do want to reiterate as well, though, while we are looking for help for the owners of the businesses, we, in my book, we got to think about the employees with equal uh, respect, and, and their unemployment, many of them are going to lose unemployment at the end of this year, and I believe that we need to look at a solution for them. Now, what that is, is we've got to figure out how to finance it, and money doesn't grow on trees, and as you know, we have a multi-billion dollar hole in our budget already. So people have said we've got this rainy day fund, but the rainy day fund is already allocated just to try to plug this multi-billion dollar hole we have in our budget. That hole is not as big as it was two months ago because our economy continues actually to be, in some sense, healthy, generate these revenues. But it's still multiple billions of dollars. So uh, if we do this, we'll have to figure out a way to finance it. Uh, and, and, and that's not going to be easy. And I will continue to talk to legislators of both parties about how to do that. I'll bet you have some ideas, though. And would one of them be some sort of income tax? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's an easy one. You're very quick to say no. Because is, it's an honest answer. Is be that, honest. Is that, you is that do, whole idea you can do dead honesty now? very quickly. I know. <laughs> is, that, is that dead? Is that whole idea dead now? Uh, there's no serious discussion of an income tax that, in the legislature that I'm aware of. Uh, wealth tax, uh, any other tax, any other tax that people would find um, annoying? Well, I kind of find all taxes are annoying <laughs> to somebody, so I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're all annoying to some degree. Uh, listen, there's, there's a million different ideas that we probably wouldn't be productive to talk about, but we will make proposals in mid-December when I roll out my budget. We will propose a balanced budget. It'll do the best job it can to help businesses and employees and health systems and hospitals and, and, and the mental health and their, listen, our homelessness program. And we'll have all the answers revealed uh, in mid-December when we roll out our budget. And I'll be happy to talk to you then about these things. Okay. We've got just two other questions for you. Are you expecting a call from Lauren Culp? And are you expecting a call from the Biden administration? Uh, I have no expectations for my former opponent, and I have no expectations for the Biden administration but I think they're off to a great start. I'm very pleased uh, this this uh, nomination of John Kerry to really show that we're back in the climate effort internationally is a really healthy thing, both because he's very well respected around the world. And I think it's a signal of how uh, what a top priority uh, President-elect Biden is going to give to this issue. So I'm very pleased about that. Governor Jay Inslee. Governor, thank you. Thank you. Be well. All right. Okay, Dave, so I know the governor sort of danced around a little bit. If your question about whether there will be a wealth tax, he was pretty adamant about there being no income tax. But, I mean, we're we're facing a $4.2 billion shortfall in this state, um, and no federal relief is coming anytime soon. Don't you think we'll have to at least impose some taxes to try to make up for that? I think um, he's expecting that the Biden administration will come to the rescue. I think uh, you noticed one of the last things he said in the interview was, by the way, uh, I got no call from Joe Biden, but 
Uh, they're off to a great start. Uh, I think he's banking on the fact that uh, Biden is going to make good in his promises to help working people and that one of the number one things you can do is to throw more federal money at those people who have lost their jobs and the businesses that they depend on for their their long-term employment. I don't think that, uh, I mean, you heard how quickly he rejected the whole idea of an income tax or a Mm -hmm. wealth tax. What other options are available? A higher sales tax? I doubt it. License tabs? That's toxic. Mm -hmm. No one's going to raise license tabs. Uh, Seattle has the new uh, Amazon tax, which which I guess will be imposed at the start of the year. Uh, That has apparently survived a challenge. So um, Seattle has that source of revenue, but it's pretty clear that he's not going to go the the income tax route. And yet, you know, we have this $135 million right now to to help businesses. I know he said we also have some $150 million left uh, in, in CARES funding. But there is no prospect right now of calling a, a bipartisan special session to try to get more immediate relief before January 11th, when the next right. uh, state legislature comes into session. That That's too late for too many people. Yes, it probably is. I, I keep hearing these, these numbers. They're meaningless to me unless you break it down to how much that means for, you know, right. how much businesses need and how much each of them stands uh, to get. And without another election imminent, except the Georgia special election, uh, there's no way to force politicians to take a there's no there's really no threat to hang over their heads except uh, a lot of angry emails so mm. i i really don't know what to say it's it's pretty dire it would be nice to to me the, the one group that hasn't spoken out too loudly at this point uh, are the millionaire super for the billionaire super friends right mm. at some point the the people who have done well and those are those who are invested in the stock market um might want to step in to secure that uh, euphoria on Wall Street. I mean, hitting 30,000, quite a a milestone, and share some of that with those who have nowhere near that in their bank accounts at this point. Unless you have small businesses who are feeling confident and have some kind of long-term security, uh, eventually the overall economic rebound can't be sustained. Yeah. So no government bailout, but perhaps uh, an Amazon bailout for the nation. Imagine what the hero Jeff know, Bezos would be. I know. If, uh... <laughs> just, just some sort of, you know, some super, some super friends investment bank that would have sort yeah. of looser rules on paying back your business loan. Yeah. So as for your line of questioning about the the transmission that is or isn't happening at restaurants, I thought that was uh, I thought that was interesting that the governor had. He didn't say it, but I felt like he was saying that he doesn't buy what the casinos are yeah. saying. He said he respectfully disagrees with tribal casinos claiming that there have been no outbreaks at uh, at, at at their places yeah. of business. Says he had the power that he would suggest that they be shut down as well. And I think it is interesting that when you, when you look at the Las Vegas casinos, there was a report, I believe, last month that traced a significant number of cases. I think it actually was the number one cause of transmission in Nevada was considered to be hotels and casinos. And yet here in Washington State, the uh, website says that those casinos have no traceable cases. But, of course, the governor says, well, they're not part of the tracing system. So, of course, if there's no evidence, you're, you're not going to see any statistics. But that's uh, it's it's a hard sell for restaurants. I know a lot of them have, have gone to considerable trouble to invest in plastic shields and, of course, mm-hmm. uh, distancing and keeping capacity to 25 percent. 
Um, but they cannot make their case as a category. They have to close down. Yeah, I, it's difficult for them, certainly. I mean, considering they have, they've invested money into making sure that their businesses are safe. I know when the restrictions came down, I spoke to a couple of uh, small gym owners, too, who, yeah. you know, they all say the same thing. Like, we're playing by the rules. Right. And the people who say that we haven't had an outbreak at my place of business, or if you're in a small county with, you know, a handful of cases compared to a big county like King, yeah, I I, I don't know how I feel about this this blanket approach um, that right. the governor has imposed. But I mean, I also it's it's I'm conflicted too. I mean, I get it. Cases are skyrocketing. Well, it's it's statistics, right? The statistics do indicate that, and, and the the uh, testing, the videos of people sneezing into masks, right, uh, and sneezing with and without masks, show convincingly that that's how the virus spreads. But what if you're that one guy who is not contributing? To those statistics, right? Mm-hmm. You cannot make your case for whatever reason. We don't have uh, COVID inspections. It'd be nice if there was a COVID inspection reg- regimen where you could uh, you could have an inspector come in and certify you as being COVID safe and and uh, and open for business. But um, yeah. that's not the way we're doing things now. I would suggest that'd be a good idea in the future, given this is probably not the last time we're going to see a virus like this uh, race through the population. And it might be good just to, for the plain old flu. I mean. The flu kills people, too, in a normal season. It would be nice if you knew that your restaurant was COVID-safe and uh, and flu-safe. But we're not there yet. Yeah, Unfortunately, it's kind of like these businesses are a little guilty by association, right? Yeah, because right. if your exactly. your neighbor next door gets, uh, gets the outbreak, I guess you're, like it or not, you're associated with them. You're in the same line of work, and uh, that's kind of the way it is right now. Right. The problem you have is, is that there's you can... You can say statistics are faked, but you can't fake an overcrowded hospital. So uh, when that starts to happen, that's really bad. And, that, and that's, I think that's what's driving this, Aaron. You've, we've seen lately interviews with people on the front lines, the healthcare workers. It is very emotional, even if you do this day in and day out, to basically tell somebody who needs treatment or a ventilator or whatever it is, I'm sorry, we haven't got one available because you've mm-hmm. just pronounced their deaths on. I remember the day I sat there in the doctor's office with my mom, who was suffering from congestive heart failure, and he said, you no longer qualify for the operation. And at that point, we knew what that meant. Um, and this is a similar situation where healthcare workers basically have to decide who lives and who dies if it gets to that point. And if you believe the University of Washington graph, uh, that's what could happen over the winter unless something changes in the meantime. Tune in next Thursday as we discuss more of the latest coronavirus news. You can subscribe to this podcast and also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.